So Luke chapter 13, verse 18 to verse 21. Then Jesus asked, What is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It is like a mustard seed that a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air perched in its branches. Again he asked, What shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. I know that we're we're pretty much used now to turning on YouTube and loading up our services on a Sunday morning, but do you remember what it was like just five or six weeks ago when you had to actually get into your car and actually drive to the day centre to go to one of our services? I mean, it seems like such a long time ago now, doesn't it? Even though it was only a few weeks. Well, I want you to think back just those few weeks and I want to ask you a question. Were there ever times that you drove to our services and you felt discouraged? Maybe on your way to the morning service you passed by other places, places where you're supposed to be able to go and you're supposed to be able to hear all about Jesus, but you know perfectly well that the truth about Jesus has been replaced with something else. And maybe, just like mine often did, as you drove past those places, as you saw all the cars, as you saw all the people, your heart sunk. Maybe at night, as you were driving to the evening service, you drove along the main street, and you saw groups of people, all waiting to get into bars and into pubs. They were planning to spend their Sunday night talking about everything, and yet, at exactly the same time, talking about nothing at all. And then... You got to the day centre. And what did you find? Just a few dozen people. And I wonder, did your heart sink? Did you think to yourself, if only we had those crowds of people here. If only they were coming here to sing these wonderful songs that God has given us. If only we had groups of young people all eager to drink in God's word. If only those cars were parked in our car park. If only the drivers were eager to worship the King of Kings. I mean, we've all felt like that, haven't we? We've all felt despondent as we think about the size of the church. Well, Jesus has given us this parable to help us in those times when our hearts are tempted to sink. Actually, I say parable. He's given us two parables this morning. There's the parable of the mustard seed and there's the parable of the yeast. And these are two very similar parables. They form a pair. They're basically telling us the same message. The only difference is they're telling us that message from two different angles. These two short, simple pictures tell us what the kingdom of God is like. Now, Kingdom of God, that's maybe not a term that all of you have used terribly much. But the kingdom of God is something that we see all the time. Whenever you see followers of Jesus Christ showing kindness to other people, you see the kingdom of God. Whenever you see Christian parents teaching their children in family worship, you see the kingdom of God. 
when you see an employee taking what Jesus says in scripture and applying that to how he goes about his work, you see the kingdom of God. When you see a husband loving his wife as Jesus Christ loved the church, you see the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God isn't found in one particular place, it's found everywhere. It's everywhere where you see a follower of Jesus Christ putting Jesus first and accepting his rule. And of course the most obvious place where we see the kingdom of God is the church. Because it's in the church that God's people gather together. It's in the church that they bow down before the great king. And it's in the church that they listen to his rule. And so the most obvious application of these two parables this morning are in the church. Well, let's look at them. We're going to look at the first one first. We'll spend most of our time looking at it. Let's look at the parable of the mustard seed. And this parable starts with something small and apparently insignificant. A mustard seed was an incredibly tiny thing. You could hold a mustard seed in your hand and you would barely even see it. It was around about one millimetre in diameter. And you can imagine what that would be like. Imagine if you dropped it on the floor. You'd probably have a pretty difficult time trying to find it again. There's just nothing to it. It would just blend in with all of the bits of grit and dirt on the ground. And yet Jesus compares his kingdom to this teeny tiny seed. And you know, whenever you think about it, that is incredibly surprising. You know, I've been to a number of different ministers' conferences over the years, and you're talking to these different pastors, and they come from different towns and different churches. The churches are all sorts of different sizes, of course. Some of the ministers preach in churches that are far, far, far bigger than ours is. And you know, sometimes you'll be milling around, maybe at a coffee time, you'll be chatting to some pastor that you don't know, and you're asking each other different questions. You know, where are you from? What sort of church do you preach in? And eventually, the question will come. How many people go to your church? And you know, I find that quite an awkward question. You know, how wick am I going to feel if there are a couple of hundred people in his church and there's only, what, maybe 30 people in mine? It's easy to be embarrassed by the smallness of the church. You know, we want to talk about things that aren't embarrassing. We want to talk about things that make us sound impressive. We want to shy away from the things that make us sound insignificant. And yet Jesus, he doesn't shy away in the slightest, does he? What does he say? My kingdom is like a mustard seed. My kingdom is like the teeniest, tiniest, least impressive thing that you can possibly imagine. And of course, whenever you think about it, he was absolutely right, wasn't he? What did the kingdom of Jesus look like at this point in time? What was it made up of? A few fishermen, a bunch of hangers-on, followers who came from out in the sticks. They came from Bally Nowhere. They weren't in the least bit important. The kingdom of Christ didn't have an army, it didn't have a palace, it didn't have any palaces. 
all it had was this preacher who travelled from town to town teaching God's word. And yes, Jesus performed miracles, he performed incredible signs, but by and large, his work was very ordinary and very small. And at this moment in time, his work certainly wasn't being talked about across the world. And so you can easily imagine how frustrated, how discouraged, how disillusioned the disciples might have been. They've been waiting for the Messiah. And when the Messiah comes, they're expecting him to lead a great army. They're expecting him to kick the mighty Romans out of the country. They're expecting him to be crowned as king. They're expecting him to completely and utterly transform the nation. And so you can easily imagine how despondent they must have felt. Because that wasn't happening. And you know, it can be the same for us. We want the kingdom of Jesus Christ to be bold and dramatic. And whenever you think about it, it can so often look small and completely inconsequential. What happens on an ordinary Sunday morning? A few dozen people meet in a room, we read an old book, we sing some old songs. So what? These days it's a wee bit different, we have YouTube. But how many views do we get on our channel compared to all of those videos that you see on the front page? Look at the bells and whistles that some of those videos have. Look at the incredible production values and then look at this. Look at how bog standard it is. Christ's kingdom is certainly not impressive. And it certainly doesn't look terribly dramatic in the lives of Jesus' followers, does it? It's not exactly the stuff of fairy tales. I mean, what does Christ's kingdom look like in your life? A parent sitting down with the children after a meal, trying to read a Bible story, trying to do it before the toddler completely loses focus. The office worker, quietly getting on with her work, keeping her integrity, even though everybody else is playing office politics. The school pupil, not allowing herself to be defined by her exam results, but rooting her joy in Jesus Christ the Saviour. The hospital patient, not panicking, not despairing, but calmly trusting that God is wise and God has a plan, and looking to God's word for reassurance. It's so different from the world, isn't it? If you turn on the 6-1 news, you'll hear all about election rallies, you'll hear about aircraft carriers, you'll hear about trade agreements. All of the, the, the aspects of the kingdoms of this world, you'll certainly never hear about the believer who goes to a quiet place every day and prays for the salvation of someone he loves. You'll certainly never hear about that husband whose wife has a chronic disability and yet he has spent decades loving her just as Christ loved the church. Christ's kingdom is not spectacular. It can be just like the mustard seed, can't it? The activities of the kingdom can seem so mundane. They can go completely unnoticed. 
And yet, let me ask you, is Jesus Christ in the least bit bothered? No, he's not. He doesn't shy away from that in the slightest. Why? Well, because Jesus knows something about mustard seeds. Verse 19 will be a fully grown plant. He knows that inside this teeny tiny seed there is the potential. In fact, there is the guarantee of something absolutely wonderful. He knows that this seed is small. He knows that a bird could gobble it up right now. But he also knows that it's going to grow into something so, so big that those same birds are able to perch in its branches. And so, there's no need to panic over the smallness of the kingdom. The smallness is temporary. There's no need to panic over how insignificant the work of the kingdom seems. Because it's not insignificant. It has immense significance. Jesus knows with 100% conviction, one day this kingdom will be completely unrecognisable. And he wants his disciples to be in no doubt. The kingdom grows. And of course, we've seen it growing already, haven't we? A couple of weeks ago, we thought about how it grew from Jerusalem to the land of Samaria. We could have read on in the book of Acts. We could have read about how the kingdom grew from, from the Middle East into Europe and into Africa. And of course, even since the book of Acts, the kingdom of Christ has kept on growing, haven't it? You think of some of the great stories from history. Think about missionaries in China and those huge swathes of people who've put their hope in Jesus Christ. Think about all the different kings and dictators throughout history. And they've tried everything in their power to try and stamp out their kingdom. And it's been pointless. They might as well have been shouting at the sun, telling it not to shine. Because Christ's people have kept on worshipping and kept on witnessing. No doubt these disciples were discouraged at times. But imagine if they could know that 2,000 years later, two and a half thousand miles away, there would be people in a place called Ireland. A place they've never even heard of. They don't even know it exists. And yet here they are, gathering to worship the Saviour. Imagine if John the disciple could know that this morning there would be Johann in Sweden, Sean in Ireland and Giovanni in Italy and they're all calling on the name of Jesus Christ. Imagine if Peter could know that over the years in our fellowship we would have believers from India and Lithuania and Malaysia and Singapore and South Africa and they'd all be gathering together to worship. Their minds would be blown, wouldn't they? The kingdom is unrecognisable. And we also want to realise that even though the kingdom is unrecognisable now, this tree is not yet fully grown. Every single day, more and more people are being added to Christ's church. The best is yet to come. 
And in this chapter, in this passage, Jesus sees that. Jesus doesn't want his followers to focus on the smallness of the seed. He wants them to focus on the size of the fully grown plant. And maybe if we were to focus more on what Christ is doing and more on what is still to come, maybe we would be less inclined to be discouraged as we see the smallness of the church. That's the first parable, the parable of the mustard seed. The second parable is very similar. We see it in verse 20 and verse 21. Again, he asked, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. Now, I'm afraid I don't know terribly much about begging, but I did see a picture online recently. The picture was of a dumpster and I can only presume this dumpster was outside a bakery and clearly they had been preparing bread. They had added the yeast to the dough but something had gone wrong. It wasn't up to scratch and so they'd taken all of this dough and they'd thrown it straight into the dumpster. The problem was just because the dough had been thrown out didn't mean that the yeast actually stopped working. And the dough grew and it grew and it grew. And by the time this picture was taken, all the dough was erupting out of the dumpster and it was gushing out onto the street. It was quite a sight. Of course, that's the wrong way to use yeast. But when you use yeast in the right way, it can be a wonderful thing. All you need is a teeny, tiny amount in the mix and it can completely transform the bread. And in this parable, this woman takes the yeast and she slowly mixes it through the bread. Now, in some ways, this parable is telling us the same thing as the first parable. The kingdom of God is tiny. It looks insignificant. In fact, you can look very, very carefully and it can be almost impossible to see at all. But Jesus is telling his disciples, the kingdom as you see it now is not the final story. The kingdom is going to be completely unrecognisable by the time that Christ is finished. What you see now is not the final story. But the two parables, they are slightly different. They're different because the mustard seed is about how the kingdom grows. The yeast is about how the kingdom transforms. And maybe this morning, what discourages you isn't the smallness of the church. Maybe what discourages you is the state of your own heart. Maybe you really, really wish that you loved Jesus more. Maybe you really, really wish that you found more delight in his word. Maybe you really wish that you had a firmer trust in his promises. Maybe you really wish that you were more reliant on the power of his spirit. Maybe you really wish that you were less focused on stuff in this world and more focused on treasures in heaven. 
Maybe you really wish that you were a more Christ-honouring husband, or a more Christ-honouring wife, or a more Christ-honouring parent, or a more Christ-honouring friend. Maybe you wish you were more prayerful. Maybe there's a particular sin that you're struggling with, and you really, really wish that you could put it to death. Well, this parable shows us over the kingdom or over the, the, the course of time, the kingdom of Christ transforms the dough. If it wasn't for the yeast, this bread would be flat. It would be lifeless. But with the yeast, it's completely transformed. That, of course, is a wonderful picture, isn't it? Of how God the Holy Spirit works within us and causes the kingdom to make its presence felt. He transforms us. But he does it in this way. He doesn't do it by snapping his fingers. He doesn't make us instantly more faithful. He doesn't instantly take away that sin. But bit by bit, day by day, week by week, he works his influence into the nooks and crannies of our lives. Bit by bit, he he needs the mixture, doesn't he? Bit by bit, he helps us to apply the teachings of the kingdom to our circumstances. Bit by bit, he fixes our hearts and our minds on the promises of the king. Bit by bit, he gives us strength and determination so we can stand against temptation. Day by day, Gradually, over time, he increases our appetite for God's word. He deepens our commitment to prayer. He intensifies our love for the lost. Christ's kingdom grows. And that doesn't simply mean it grows in terms of numbers. It doesn't simply mean it grows in terms of area. It also grows within the lives of his followers. You and I, the people of Christ, are completely transformed. So there's the first two parables that we're going to see in this series in Luke's Gospel. If I could sum up the application in three words, it would be these. Actually, two words. Don't despair. Don't despair when you see how small the church is. Don't despair when you feel like your contribution to the kingdom is utterly insignificant. From the tiniest of seeds, the Lord Jesus Christ grows the mightiest of trees. Who knows what Christ will accomplish through that prayer time? Who knows what Christ will accomplish through that conversation with your neighbour? Who knows what Christ will accomplish through those times of family worship with your kids? Who knows what Christ will accomplish through this YouTube channel? Christ says to us, don't focus on the smallness, focus on the growth. He also says, don't despair when you're confronted with the sin within your heart. 
don't despair when you think about the progress that you've made and it's simply not what you would like it to be. Don't despair when you think about that fellow believer and they seem to be struggling with sin and they seem to be going nowhere whatsoever. Remember, bit by bit, the kingdom of Christ makes its presence felt. Bit by bit, God the Holy Spirit overcomes those challenges and he transforms the lives of Christ's people. Don't focus on the disappointments. Focus on his transforming work. And perhaps this morning, you're not yet a part of this kingdom. Perhaps you haven't yet bowed your knee before this king in repentance and faith. Perhaps you've seen the smallness of the church and you're just not sure if it's really for you. Let me say to you this morning... Do you not want to be a part of this? This kingdom that grows and grows and grows and is going to last forever. Do you not want something better than what the world has to offer? Do you not want something better than than trying to do it yourself? Do you not want something better than self-help books and willpower? Do you not want to, to get out of that cycle of of trying to improve yourself, but it's like trying to make a huge big loaf of bread without any yeast. Do you not want the kingdom of Christ to be within you? Do you not want God the Holy Spirit to transform you? Let me urge you this morning, come to the king of the kingdom. Don't focus on the smallness. Don't focus on how ordinary it looks. Focus on the glorious future of the kingdom. And most of all, focus on the glory of the king of the kingdom. What a wonderful kingdom and what a wonderful king. Let me urge you to come before him in repentance and faith.